1: From the 5th Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host,
0: Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to Coach Unplugged. I'm so excited you decided to join us. Before we jump in and deep dive into our subject today, I'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsor, sponsors plural uh first of all dr dish the number one shooting machine on the market it, it, the customer services i i can tell you a story of like oh geez maybe it's two or three years ago where i couldn't get I, it was, and it was an older machine it wasn't one of the newer machines but i couldn't get it and they they literally sat on the phone with me for almost an hour um trying to problem solve eventually we got it eventually we needed to get a couple pieces kind of sent, but um, their customer service. And that that, that for, at that point on, they had a customer for life. So go mention Coach Unplugged or, or Coach Collins or any of us, and they'll give you $400 off, for you. I said it right, $400 off your next purchase. Also go over and check out tchubs.com for coaches who wanna get better. Um, if you're looking to become a better basketball coach, you're looking to expand, if you're looking for a mentor, if you're looking for resources, ttroops.com is the answer. It's the one-stop shop for basketball coaches. It's better than Netflix because it comes with me. It comes with one-on-one calls. It comes with um, resources and things to make you a better basketball coach. It has everything that you're going to need in one spot. It has the roadmap set up for you so you know to kind of go tackle uh, the things that you need in order to solve um your basketball questions so go over and check it out it also helps us pay the bills so go over and check that out also i and i said this um i I said this on a a couple other podcasts we'd love if you go over and check out our other podcasts high school hoops uh the five minute basketball coaching podcast the funnel down defense podcast go over and check those out i think you'll love those Um, we love sharing with the world and leave a five-star review let's head off the podcast you know if you're hard hedge and recover and they're killing you on
1: it just making a simple adaptation, they most high school teams can beat you one way they 're not going to beat you you know with two or three different balls right, screens.
0: and if they 're that, then they 're probably holding a ball at the end of the season if they 're that good, yeah, yes. they probably were yeah. going to beat you regardless of right what you did. right. I love that. Is there a specific way other than the first couple of things of practice that you kind of implement this so we started really
1: simple with those things throughout the season. And then we do a lot of, we'll do a lot of three on three, four on four, but then we also do a lot of three on four, four on three, disadvantage, advantage type stuff where we keep implementing that. And one thing, so I guess our biggest three things with or switching all these screens is the fundamentals of the switch. And that's just a lot of communication, aggressive switching. Um, the second one's transition. So I thought we were asking guys really hard asks of, hey, you have to stop the layup because we pride ourselves in transition defense. You're just not going to score on us in transition defense.
0: And right. then and, and, and you're, you're definitely not going to get an – we'll let you – if you shoot something in transition against us, it better be a mid-ranger. We better yeah. run you off the line, and we better not give you a layup. Like, if you know, you're going to come down, asking, yeah, 12-footer jumper – you know, we'll give you, I mean, we don't give it to you, but. And we will
1: match up, you know, we obviously we don't, there's matchups we don't like, you know, we don't like our slowest guy and their best player, but we don't like layups and transition and we can re switch later on in the possession. If we can get that initial action stopped, That's a really good thing, I think. Because one of the first things when I was looking at doing this, I called a coach from way down in Southern Illinois, and I knew he did it, and I'd watched several of his state tournament teams play. And he's like, you have to get your kids to realize not everybody gets equal focus. Like, their best player in transition, that's somebody we're worried about. The layup, we're worried about. And especially in high school,
0: school. there is such a difference between one and five. I'm sorry. Now, I've had teams – and again, probably got a ring over my in my case about when, when there's when that difference isn't and you when you're good and that difference isn't big, that's when you're like you're you're winning things. Like the difference between one and five and the difference between one and eight is like literally the Grand Canyon for most high schools. Yeah. Players.
1: Well, and, and that's <laughs> and I thought that helped us when we did play those type of teams that had multiple scorers. When we weren't worried about, well, James has got to be guarding this guy, and Billy's got to be guarding this guy, and we could re-switch later on. Now, another drill that I think really helps us with this, and I found this somewhere the last off, a couple off seasons ago. We put four co- cones in the corners of the like the corners of the court, and if you shoot on offense, you have to touch the furthest co- You have to go around the furthest cone on your side. And then the so offense, let's say you're on your,
0: you you shoot, let's say you shoot from the wing. Are you going to the cone in that wing? So if you shot the ball on the right wing, you'd have to run to the left wing on the same side the of court,
1: the half court and go back, go back. Yeah. On the same side of half court, okay. then go back. And it was, cre- it creates a lot of good five on fours. Ooh, I like that for our defense to actually have to stop.
0: What do you, what do you,
1: what do you call that coach? Just cone transition drill. <laughs> I don't have I don't have any like. Crazy.
0: We'll call we'll call it 4 a Cohen transition draw. I love that. I'm going to use and, that one.
1: And the best thing is you can do it in your like three possession games, your five possession games, or a scrimmage. You, like it doesn't have to be like we used to do. Like line up across the free throw line, yeah. you run down to the other end, you touch the baseline. It's worthless. It's, like it's I. It's, so do you play,
0: um do you is it on the shot or is it on the make on the shot. Okay. And then we
1: – you know, that's – I was thinking about that when I was looking at it, and, I mean, I think we just put emphasis on our defensive rebounding of, like, you're going to hear about it if the offense got a rebound, five, four guys. Right. And we And we didn't – it didn't happen that much this year, we okay. you're also okay. a pretty good rebounding team. Okay.
0: Because that was, that, that was team, the first thing I was thinking about. Okay, so he does that. He, he shoots it, but he doesn't necessarily make it, and then they get their – but you're right that now I'm just going to stop at that. I go, are you kidding me? There's four guys and he got the re they got the re I love that. Yeah. My
1: workaround, if I had a team that wasn't a good rebounding team would probably be that then you'd have a second guy having to go to a cone. So then maybe it would be even more because the other guy probably got to one. Right. Before it happened.
0: Okay. Yeah. I like that. I love that. Um, so was it, was this hard to implement? I found it pretty easy.
1: You know, I, It was – you know, we go into our first game and we're like, okay, (laughs) we're switching everything. How's this going to be? But we had already switched like a lot of one through four and then very rarely our five. And we were like, we got to just go all in if we're going to do this. Because what we were doing is, okay, you can't – you don't – this guy, we can't switch off. That would be our rule. And we're like, there's just too much here for these kids to know. So instead we say we switch everything, but we still have options to like just absolutely deny their best player. And then we'll still be able to switch that at times. And that really helps us double that guy, I guess. Because we're like, Hey, James is going to guard this guy. If he does, if he says stay, he is staying. If you're going to make an error, he's on their best player. That's the guy we'd rather make an error towards. And then, you know, we, we played in a Thanksgiving tournament. that um, We got kind of like – we we switched tournaments this year. We probably were in a tournament we shouldn't have been in. Our first three games, we were just killing people. And it was good just to get the reps in. And then here comes our championship game of a Thanksgiving tournament. And it's a team that does the same thing but out of a zone, not out of man. And, you know, a, it was just a bad shooting game that we ended up winning eventually. But, you know, we got some, you know, reps at it. I thought it really helped us. And then uh, as the season went along, we just kept getting better and better because we had all these practices to work on it. But one of the other reasons why we went to it is we play 31 games now in the state of Illinois. That's crazy to me. Yeah. We played 18 games this year without a practice before the game.
0: 18 games? 18 games. Oh, my God. I could pull my hat off right now and take some of this hair and put it away. I mean, I would drive me bonkers. Oh, my God. So,
1: it really helped. I'm like, guys, we're playing this team. They played on Friday night. We played on Friday night. They've never played a team that does this. We have a major advantage. We work on them feeding the post or ball screens every day, and they started working on how to attack a switching team today in their walkthrough. And, uh, I thought it was a really big help this year. We're not going to be, we're not going to be nearly as talented. We're going to be slow, but I think you can adapt it really well.
0: I, I, well, I think it sometimes works better when you're not as athletic. Cause yeah. the, 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 the angles and the, and the space that you got to do, um, do you always like, do you have a rule below the free throw line? You always front the post or you just always front the post?
1: So if they're in what we call the post block, which is, you know, like one foot in the paint, we're yep. fronting them. Okay. And if they go outside of that, who cares? Because if we play behind them yeah. and, they, and they're and they going to shoot an isolated mid-range too, great. We'll clap our hands yep. if they hit that shot. They're not going to make it enough to beat us. Um, one thing that we did go to this year, and I think I got this from Texas Tech, whenever, or maybe it was a European – yeah, I've I've watched so list so many things. <laughs> I know. I, I'm never going to give anybody the right credit. So when they set the ball screen and roll, instead of fighting to get underneath them, we go over the top with a hand in the passing lane, and we got a ton of deflections doing that because they see this roll guy opening. And Mike, we teach our guys. You I mean you can be willing to leave your feet and just jump to get the deflection? The ball goes flying off them out of bounds. But we went over the top on a roll, and I thought it really helped us throughout the season. So what do you
0: mean? So uh, if I have the ball on the wing and, and, and you're coming up and set the screen, you're just stepping over the top of it.
1: Yep. So like you set the screen on me and you roll to the basket, I'm like swim moving over the top of you, trying to go ride you over the top. So then I can front as well. I didn't. Because we used to teach, you know, if you got ball screen and they rolled to the basket, you've got to sprint underneath the basket, and then the right. guy would just
0: pin you instead. We I went like over that. the I top. like that. You know, and you know, you know, know what another thing about high school kids is they can't swing it fast. I mean, first of all, the lot I can count in 30 years, and probably it's like 800 high school basketball games. And I've had D1, I've had professional post players, how many times they've lobbed it in there on a i mean i don't care if you put a five ten guard on a 6 7 kid there's not many times that they're going to lob it in there and score i mean i bet when all the film you've watched you haven't seen that happen very often
1: no it's no. kind of like the post rim run it looks great on paper and you transition run into the paint and getting right. it and then you look at you're like well wow, we only scored on that 11 times this year right
0: and uh the teams I mean, the I, can't, I probably really count on two hands how many times I've seen that pass actually effectively made at the high school level. Yeah, And, you know,
1: <laughs> and this all fits in. I was, I was just reading something the other day that uh, I think it was a women's college coach was talking to Chris Beard, and they are like, yeah, but this and that. He goes, okay, they're going to score. You're going to give up six points a game where you switch to two. two guys went with the same guy, and somebody scored right underneath the basket. He goes, but take the six and compare it to the 32 you were giving up last year. Right. Which one would you rather have? Right. And I was like, that that totally makes sense. You will look stupid. I mean, we were playing against a really good structured team in our Christmas tournament. And, I mean, we were just giving them fits. They couldn't throw their reverse passes because they didn't like the timing on our switch. They, They called about three different timeouts, and they finally got this play down where they set, like, three different combinations of screens and back screen somebody real quick, got a layup to the basket. And I was just like, that was a hell of a play. <laughs> like, what, right. are, what are you going to do? Like, Good for you. Three timeouts to get that play on us.
0: Right, right. And then the thing is, you can, you can only run that play so many times because my guys are going to adjust. Yeah. Like, no, I, I agree. I think, it's, I think it's a one – I mean, I, I love to watch it. It was great. I mean – and the thing is, it's like me and one of my assistants were always talking about, like, we got to simplify, we got to make it. And we did it maybe it was maybe two or three years ago. It's like, we're switching, we're switching. And then a little bit last year, we got out of it, like, oh, we shouldn't switch on that kid. We, I'm going back. I, I, you sold me on going back because it's like, it's just easier. It's like. Well, and, and you can do simple stuff. Like, we
1: played Schomburg this year, who has a kid going to Wisconsin. Yep. Like we tried. I mean, actually, we probably did too much. We tried to change us to go against him. And he did, And it was like we had played at 930 at night the night before and lost in the semifinal game of a 32-team Christmas tournament we're in. How many
0: games can you play in a Christmas tournament?
1: Five. And, uh, we and it
0: counts to- as one?
1: Yeah. Well, we actually have no rules anymore. You can play in a 64-team tournament. You just have 31 total now. There's no rules on how many games a tournament can have anymore.
0: First of all, okay, so l- l- for the people doing math on this, this is what's crazy. We went from 22 to 24, and it's it's like, are you kidding me? I don't have time to do 22. Beginning of November, so you gotta you we gotta practice for like 10 days or whatever, seven days. So it's the middle of November to the middle of March, and then there's Christmas in between. There's not enough time, like you said. There's not enough time. It's crazy. Yeah, that's we played.
1: Every Saturday but three Saturdays. That was probably the hardest thing for me. I've got a one-year-old daughter last year, and she's. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm never home on a Saturday. So we played every Tuesday, Friday, Saturday for the season. But, you know, and it's great being in a 32-team Christmas tournament. You don't even see – there's teams that I've been there for six years in this tournament. I've never even seen some of these teams play because we've always been on the winner's side. And they right. maybe haven't been, and you know it's they're like try picking an all tournament team for thirty-two team oh Christmas god. tournament. <laughs> oh my god, I know it's
0: like <laughs> like know,
1: we get pretty- the sheet to do the. That's like the worst part of Christmas tournament. They hand you the sheet to pick an all uh, all tournament. You know what I do?
0: 30- I, you know what I do? At this point, I hand it to my assistant. Yeah, coach. it's like here Dude, you go. You know, can't vote for my – here you go. You've watched these – you probably watch as much film as I have. What's the hardest thing to teach on this?
1: You know, I think it go communication, just because that's the hardest thing to get anybody to do. I had a kid this year, and, I mean, he, he's never talked on the court. to say. You know, he just won't say anything. And I was like, dude, even if you're barking out there, it's going to help. Like, somebody's going to at least hear where you are at. Right. And, you know, he laughs when I say that, you know. But he I would literally
0: it. start barking on the side. If I if yeah. I had that kid on my team and I did that, I'd just like I'd do that. If I see him in the hallway at school. That's what I'd do. I'd make them laugh about it. eventually they'll high school boys, especially, if you do that stuff with them, it triggers something. I don't Oh know. yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think I think that when we went to like, hey, don't be afraid to make mistakes, be aggressive and you know, talk and somebody else is gonna pick you up. Because we continue to switch and we do what we call most dangerous. We're like, okay, their kid that can hurt us is in the corner wide open. I know that's not your man right now, but you're guarding somebody that's averaging four points a game. Rotate, go. You know, you see them – our whole offense is designed around drive and kick. You see a kick coming, anticipate that rotation. And that's probably the other hard thing is getting it out of their system of that's my guy. Right. Well, I didn't have to hustle back and transition because that was my guy. No, 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 no. Like, that's not how
0: it's going to work. Do you, uh, do you, did you run dribble drive with your team this year?
1: So, we kind of run like a four-out version of what Villanova does where you okay. just cut through. Yep. So, our offense is really simple. You throw it to the wing, cut to the other corner. If you throw it across the top, you exchange with your guy in the side. But then – we all of a sudden did start throwing in some dribble drive stuff. So teams would really try blowing up our passing lanes. So we started running some dribble drive stuff, which I used to do before, like, you even heard of – I saw a team in Southern Illinois running three-out dribble drive, like in 03, and I was like, wow, that's really good, and I liked it. So I've been doing it for a while, but I we did do some dribble drive we did some ball screen stuff. We run a lot of horn sets because in our conference, you've got ultra pressure teams. You have man. Nobody plays half court man. Like, they're all have like either a matchup, three quarter court. Really? Yeah. We
0: don't. Hey, you're see- not in Wisconsin because yeah. everybody plays man. It's
1: in- <laughs> like, because you're going to hear, it, like, I'm, and I tell people all the time if you're getting, if you're starting a program, pack line might be the worst thing to do right now because everyone is doing pack line. Like you want to be different. Like my very first teams when I was the head coach at Plano, we were football players playing basketball, right? So we could not let a basketball game break out. My best player is a linebacker for the Broncos. Now he was an athlete. He wasn't a very good basketball player. And I remember one coach just saying, you guys are like a bunch of damn gnats out on the court. You just bug us everywhere. If we did that at Hinsdale South, we would give up a hundred points every game. Right. That
0: I'm. i You've listened to me long enough. I'm telling you, I think changes. High school kids do not a deal with change. Like, yeah. I won a state tournament one year because I went to a one three one, and we had run. We hadn't run in like two weeks because I needed to do something. And you know, um, well, in two years ago, well, this kids I had last year
1: when they were juniors every team in our conference had a six, six wing that could bring it up the floor and just score. So we would line up in a two, three and match up off the first pass. And they'd come across half court and be like, they're in zone coach. They're in zone. And we're not, we're at the, you know, the coach is like, it's at their man after one pass. And you've got to have some of those tricks. Cause you know, it's, I'm trying to remember what the uh, study is where it's like, you know, you think, you know, everything when you start as a coach. And then you, after about a year, you realize how
0: little, you know, and then you start to build up. Like if you're going to go. I think I'm telling you right now, after the last four months, I'm less confident than I was like 10 years ago. Like, so I gotta, I gotta simplify. I gotta like, it's like, I've coached for a really long time and it's like, I, yeah, I I wish I was in my twenties again when I knew everything. Like, Crap, I don't know everything, you know. I'm not even close to it, um, yeah. I mean, that's
1: and then as soon as you think you know all this stuff, all of a sudden, there the game changes. You know, my dad watches this stuff with me every once in a while, and you know,
0: he's like, Well, here we ran flex and so we did double stack. I didn't, I did, and- I did it in my early career. I went with Wesley, who plays for the Bucks right now. We ran flex with Wesley, like, but it worked, and it was the you know, it was, it was you know, um. <laughs> And I mean, there's. I was just listening to a European person talk about, they were like,
1: what's the most impressive offense you've seen? And it's some guy in Perth, Australia running flex, but he has like 35 variations of it. So you can do almost anything. And I think there's some good teams around us that run flex. And it's, I mean, good luck getting a kid to guard a flex screen in 2020 because right. they don't want to be touched. Their AAU coach hasn't you know is like oh don't even worry about defense they're just going to try to steal it and block it at all times right you know and you you have some kids that are willing to set that back screen you're going to score on that
0: you man. are and the thing is there's so many variations of the and swing tends to be a little bit more popular than even flex because of the spacing but um yeah you're right after after texas tech and and virginia made it to the finals pack line was all set you know, the defensive and all all that stuff was, was set. Um, Is there one success or one failure you've had in your career that, you know, a moment that you would want to share?
1: Well, you know, one failure that I, I feel like I just continue to have is like I have that junior that's talented and I just can't get him out on the court as a junior. I'm not a real deep sub guy. Like, I'll, I'll ride guys, and, like, you know, I've, like I'm not the guy playing 10 or 11 guys. Um, you know, it's, even if you did have 11 guys that could play, it's hard to be in a rhythm and do everything, I think, when you sub that much. But I think every year I have that guy that I'm like, hey, he's going to be, like, one of our top six or seven guys, and he never plays. And, like, that's something I'm looking at. That's one of the things that really liked whenever I – that's usually the kid that he's listening for what I'm going to correct him on on the court whenever he's out. Yeah. There. I'm like that's that's the kid that it takes 30 minutes to get back on track to get his confidence. And you know some kids just don't have that in their DNA. I start I played a sophomore this year that I literally he he shot a pull up 3 in one of our first games and I was, I just looked at him he's like I'll never do that again. And cuz he knew he knew his role on the court was just to let everybody else kind of do the shooting and everything. Right. And he was going to do all the dirty work. Right. Not every kid can do that. You know, we had a couple of juniors this year that, you know, had
0: the talent to help
1: us, but they just, I couldn't it's fit, get it It's, out it's fitting.
0: It's yeah. It's fitting in them in the thing. And it, it, what I think is interesting too, is you're, you're selling quarters, right? Yeah. When we went to two 18 minute halves, my coaching deal, I, I totally had a shift. Because my stud can't go for 36 minutes. I would try. Oh, that's <laughs> tough, man. But the problem is, think, you got to think of it in terms of a college game. No one plays 40 minutes of a yeah. college game. No one. Like, I don't care who you are. Watch a college game. Even the studs come out at some yeah. point. You know, you watch the NBA games. They're playing, you know, they're playing 40. What are they playing? Uh, 48 minutes. Giannis is out with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and it's a three point game because they know they got to rest them. Um, and I think some of that, too, for me personally, is just my experiences coaching in smaller
1: schools. Yeah. I think, I mean, I,
0: yeah. You you're all small. Like, so here's what I do is like, so like I had my point guard, not this year, but the previous year. Well, I had to get him out. I had to rest him because he's my, one of my best players. So I would have my assistant say, you know, about the nine minute mark, they go, he needs a rest. And I'd pull him out for like a minute and a half and I'd put him right back in. And it made me, there's two ways that I've caused myself to, to sub more and to work on my bench, especially early in the season. I do that. I try to give everybody a blow, at least in the first half. I can ride him 18 minutes, a second half, if I have to. And then the, uh, the second thing is, um, if you pick up two fouls in the first half, I'm pulling your ass. Um, and it forces me to go to my bench. Now, it was a lot easier to do it when I was a lot better. <laughs> um, I've, I've readjusted that a little bit in the sense that I'll throw them back in. I don't want the game to get away from us. Um, I, I kind of want to force that. I want to see what eight through. Because I know some of the state championship games I've won have been because of seven through ten. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ankle injury someone got sick you know to make that long run you're gonna need seven through ten you're gonna need one of them I'm and it's, sure
1: it's tough too because they you know they're coming in well I'm a, I'm a stud on my travel basketball team or I did this and <laughs> you know and like hey I literally just need you not to mess up like I right. just need you to go out there and play defense I need you to move the basketball. Like, that's what our kids got really big into this year. We shot the ball so well of every time you take a hard shot, somebody else didn't get to shoot an easy shot. Right. So, like, when you shot that contested three or that quick three, somebody else had a wide – if you would have just taken – we could move the ball two times, somebody else was shooting a wide open three. And my kids, this is a proud coaching moment. And by the end of the – by the middle of the season – we'd be watching film, and they would start laughing at the other shots that teams were taking. They were like, that has no chance to go in. They're like, they can't beat us shooting that shot. And they're like, we're going to shoot 20 wide-open
0: threes, and we can really shoot it. And they're going to shoot 20 so would, shots. Would you take 20, 30, 40 seconds to get the open three?
1: No. I mean, you know, we move the ball really quick.
0: You okay. know, we have some
1: – like, we're not a spread ball screen team, but we did have some of that. We run some pretty unique spacing plays. Okay. You know, like, you know, that just, okay, you're going to have to make a choice. Are you going to stop my point guard or are you going to leave one of my shooters or the, the
0: guy running to the rim? Because you had enough team. shooters. You didn't have one or two shooters. Yeah. You had three or four shooters.
1: I've had those teams where it was like, well, Brian's out of the game and he's the only kid that can shoot, so – You know, but I think there's also something to say there. One year, my worst three-point shooter that was ever allowed to shoot, because I do have kids that I just tell them, you're not going to shoot it. But one year when we were really good, my worst shooter had the highest three-point shooting percentage on our team because he knew the only thing he was going to shoot were perfectly set-up kick-out threes. And in, in in this stuff that I shared, and I talk with my kids all the time, here's our stats in shooting. Kick-out threes, we say, at college. I think I got this from Xavier a long time ago. Okay. In college, they said they surveyed 100,000 shots. The kick-out three goes in 60%, which is right about where we're at every year. Okay. Kick-out three 60%. So,
0: kick-out means drive. Kick-out means drive and post. kick, post and kick, something like that.
1: Yep. Okay. It got into the paint and got out. Okay. 60%. Coming off a screen – so your motion team, thirty. So it goes in half the time of a kick out three. So you always no, want to give screen. that. So you, that's what we talk about, and uh, like we're not worried on that initial pin down that they're going to catch and shoot early in a possession because that I think it's off the dribble is twenty percent, and off ball screen is ten percent. Or those are the stats that we? have
0: yeah, you know what you know what it is too, and again, it's the stats for me. It's the ones that when they hit them off the dribble that kind of burn in your brain.
1: And absolutely, it's like, oh. like all all studies, there are outliers. I've had kids that cannot shoot a kick out three to save their life that are pure like Chicago playground cross pull up. <laughs> right, shoot they can make that. Um, Alonzo Verge was in our conference. I think he scored like 60 points in a game for Arizona State last year. He couldn't make a shot wide open. The harder you guarded the kid, the more they went in. Like, we'd have two guys all over him, he's shooting fadeaway threes at the buzzer at the end of the quarter, nothing but net. Like, what is this? I'm I'm not changing my defense for these outliers like that. But, you know, and we we do take the analytics really serious. We, you know, and we talk about those numbers all the time. And, you know, we do love layups, dunks, kick out threes. If we have that player that can add, you know, to that, if he can pull up and hit an elbow jumper in transition, I've had kids that are dynamite at that shot. That does a lot for your offense. But it's the hard thing in coaching is getting your kids to buy in that you're the fourth best player and you can't take the hardest shots. Like you need you, – you might score 10 a game. My sophomore that came off the bench had several games where he scored 10 on layups because, you know, they're double teaming us and he dives to the basket, he gets it. You know, counts the same, you know, but he wasn't – he helped us because he didn't shoot that mid-range jumper that was tough.
0: That's why I tell I tell young coaches too. I do I do pre I do after I pick my team I do rolls then and then I in about then we play some games and then I'll sit them down again and then I'll sit them down again. You know, right before tournament, it's like this: you can't look, <laughs> you can't shoot these. Like it's the Bob Huggins thing. You're open for a reason, man. Yeah.
1: Well, my best my best player this year. He was shooting 22% from the three-point line, like five games into the season, and I'm like, Billy, you're gonna get the green light, but you gotta shoot the easier ones. Right. Like you're shooting the tough one the next time down. You're shooting, you know, you don't want to shoot on that kickout because you just shot a three. I think he shot like close to 50% from that point on. Right. after a rough start, and you're gonna have some bad shooting games. You know, you're just not. It's just not gonna go in some games
0: right i mean and you got to be able to read i think in in the problem with the analytics too it's like you got to take it with it you, 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 there's so many numbers so yeah. it's from the stats teacher and you like you got to pick some things that are important to you like you know points per possession are important to us turnover percentage is important to us there's a, there's two or three that that are big analytics for me um changing offenses how often do you do you do you have do you have something so do you have do you have quick hitters and stuff for the end of quarters and of halves all that stuff that you work on so
1: my kids would tell you their favorite play they will call it every time is what we call celtics if you youtube brad stevens tandem it's it's an awesome play. so like my five man stands facing the rim. It Like the volleyball line, mm-hmm. my best shooter starts at the free throw line facing half court, and we have two guys buried in the corners. Point guard drives off that. As soon as he goes by the five, the five rim runs. Now I've had some guys that can just catch it and throw it down, down. off that, so teams are worried about it. And my best shooter just slips right back up to the top of the key. So you had to guard this point guard in a ton of space. I've got two shooters in the corner. And now I've got my another really the kids that you can tell who they think is the best shooter at the time because they always get him into that like free throw line area, and he just gets wide open threes after wide open threes. But then you know teams start to get like some strategies against it, so then we just kicked out the bottom guy, and at the end of the game we just we call it J Lo, because like we say his booties towards the ball or half right. corner. And we just do the same thing, Sp- spread them out, point guard drive. Now, my point guard this year was more of a shooting guard. Okay. But he if you fouled him, it was an automatic two free throws. He was going to make them both. He shot like 92% from the free throw line. Oh, my God. And teams just didn't like the spacing. Because I got rid of all those plays where we run guys off of, you know, double screens.
0: They don't work. Just- they take too long at high school. And the problem is we don't have time to – Yeah. As I tell people, we just don't have time. There's all these great plays, great. But I just don't have time to break the nuances down. Um, We
1: run some some handoff looks off of horns. That's the beauty of horns. It's got the best spacing in basketball. Hey,
0: everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you love it and you want to support us, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. 14-day free trial as we talk. Subscribe, like. Jump up and down, do whatever you gotta do. Do Those Apple Podcasts mean a lot to us. I read every one of them. Have a great day. Sports Social
1: Podcast Network.